Welcome to the Awakening Podcast Network. Get ready for an inspiring audio from this cutting-edge voice. You can find more podcasts at awakeningpodcasts.com. You want to go deeper? Get equipped to overcome and walk in God's purpose for your life at Awakening House of Prayer's online campus. You'll experience an online family, preaching, teaching, and prophetic impartation for victorious living. We have over a thousand members online hungry for what God is saying and doing in the earth. Visit ahop.online today and join our family. AHOP TV empowers believers with spirit-inspired messages and strategic equipping that accelerates your spiritual growth. You can subscribe to stream weekly content from Awakening House of Prayer, conferences, and other exclusive content to stir your hunger and encourage your heart. Visit us online at ahop.tv. Let's go ahead and bring right to the platform the best-selling author herself, Dr. Cindy Trim. We are so excited to be here with you in our book club and on our study of Hello Tomorrow. It's an amazing book. I spent a portion of the day rereading it. I wrote it, but I reread it and I'm rereading it again. And it's a fantastic book. It's going to revolutionize your life. And today we're going to, we're going to dig a little deeper about vision and help you. We're not going to go through all the pages because we want to save at least some of the excitement that I feel, save that so that you can have the same sort of connection, the same sort of feeling, but we're going to give you additional uh, teachings on vision to enhance this book and to enhance your experience as you write the book. It's so much that I can say about Hello Tomorrow, but um, we want to go directly into our text. You are joining my life group. We are live in Atlanta at, at this particular time, and we are inviting you to be a part of it. Those of you that are setting up your own life groups, those of you that are going through Hello Tomorrow as a book club, there are churches around the world that is teaching from out of this book. I think this is one of the most uh, amazing contributions that God has given me to contribute, to push, to contribute in the pushing of humanity forward and the empowerment of the church to go on to do some great things. But today we want to focus on a particular scripture from out of the book of Habakkuk or Habakkuk, depending on if you're British or if you are American, but Habakkuk or Habakkuk chapter two, verses two to four. And you are joining me along with my life group here in Atlanta, Georgia. We are having a wonderful time. We are so pumped up and so excited about learning about vision. So we want you to call your friends and let them know they should get a copy of this book and be a part part of this great movement that is sweeping the world. We need visionaries. And if there's ever a time that this book finds relevance, it's today. So in the book of Habakkuk chapter two, verse two to four, we read um, a very profound text. You have heard it over and over again. You've probably have heard messages. You've probably meditated on this particular scripture, but I really want to dig deep and begin to extrapolate some principles that I've learned from out of this book. The Bible says, write the vision, 
write what you see, write the vision, because vision is about seeing something. It's about how you see your life, how you see your life unfolding. It's about how you see yourself in a future state. It's about being able to see yourself five days from now, a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. So God said, write what you see and what you are going to be shown is based on a revelation that God is going to give to you. So write the vision, make it plain upon tables that you may run that readeth it for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie though it tarry wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. And then the scripture goes on to say, but the just shall live by faith. So we know faith sees, sees at a distant future. So faith does not see where you are, but it sees where you can be. Likewise with vision, vision is about where you're going, where you're going to be, where you're going to end up. And vision to me is perhaps the single most uh, important spiritual force that not only shapes our entire life, it shapes the entire world. Vision helps you to focus and to keep your dreams alive. It helps you to achieve um, what is necessary. And it takes faith, it takes confidence in who God has made you to be and what God has called you to accomplish and wired you for, knowing that your faith in God and what he has wired you to accomplish mixed with uh, determination and discipline and dedication that makes dreams come true. So faith will remind you that all things are possible for those that believe that they are. Those that believe that they are and those that believe in God, all things are possible. Vision is very powerful. By it, lives have been enhanced, purpose has been actualized, potential is maximized, vision. Vision is that single force that has shaped our world. It has shaped industries and governments, and it has fostered progress, the progress of humanity. Somebody had to have seen that life could have been better. They have to had seen that that we could do better, that we can live better, that we can drive better. Someone had to have seen that we can eat better. We know those of you that are fast food junkie junkies, fast food junkies. Someone had to had had the vision that we can prepare food faster and get food faster and eat food faster. And that was because someone envisioned it. It's about vision. Vision is responsible for every technological advancement, for every breakthrough, for every uh, scientific breakthrough, for every medical breakthrough. You're, you're, you're talking about visionaries. Vision is responsible for community development. It, it is responsible for the creation of economic monopolies and businesses. Vision is responsible for the clothes that you wear. Vision is responsible for the shoes that you are wearing. Someone decided that we can wear better, do better, eat better. And they push humanity forth. They pushed it forth through industry. They pushed it through forth 
through social uh, services. They pushed it forth, not just from governments, but, but, but governments that had a vision to construct uh, constitutions that would uh, help their citizens to be happy, to help their citizens to be productive so that they can live with life, with liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Those words were the founding fathers of the United States of America. We, we were still fledgling. We were not a nation. We were not a sovereign, but a few people said that this is a country and we can be a sovereign, we can be a force to be reckoned with, and as a result of that, we have the superpower, the United States of America. But but vision is responsible for all of that. We are living in a time that is demanding visionaries to arise, and I believe that you we are going to see in this year and the years to come more and more visionaries rise up with with revelation of how we can do life better. It's going to bring humanity back into alignment so that we can function according to God's original plan and purpose. But in reading this particular scripture from out of Habakkuk chapter 2 verses 2 to 4, I extrapolate 20 principles that will help you with your vision. We wrote the book Hello Tomorrow and we wrote this book because we recognize that we were decreeing things, now we need to see things. And uh, we need to be able to understand that your tomorrow does not have to look like your yesterday. So let's go into our uh, teaching tonight and we want to extrapolate the 20 principles from out of Habakkuk chapter 2 verses 2 to 4 that talks about vision. So the first thing that we see is the first principle. When when God instructed Habakkuk or Habakkuk to write the vision. So the word write is the first principle that we want to pull out. We want to extrapolate. It's the principle of documentation. Even Jesus saw the importance of something being documented. Whatever you write, it has the spiritual, it has a spiritual implication because if it is written, it is illegal or it legalizes something in the earth realm and in the spiritual realm. That means that you have a legal document. God took the time to write his promises and he gave them by revelation in the Old Testament and in the New Testament therefore you are able to say God it is written and therefore it has to be enforced now there's one thing for people to promise you, you things verbally but it's yet another thing for them to write it and when it's written, if they don't fulfill their word, fulfill their promises, you can take them to court based on what is documented and it's admissible in court as proof. Now, one of the reasons why you want to document it because you want to legalize it. You want to establish it as a part of God's unfolding plan for your life that has a legal right to exist, a legal right to manifest. Now, now, Jesus saw the importance of documentation. Turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 1 verse 1 to uh, 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 5. Verse 1 to 5. The scripture says, then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterwards a hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread but he answered him and he said it 
is written. It is documented. And this is the law of documentation. He said it is documented. Men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. And then the devil takes him up again in another text. And what Jesus said was, it is written. It is documented. So when you take the time to write your vision, your future self will thank you. That no matter what you're going through, you can say, I decree and declare the resources are coming because it is written in my vision. It is a revelation that God has given me. So remember, as you begin to write your vision for your life or write the vision for your life, once it is completed, you will be unstoppable. Genesis 11 and 6 says, and the Lord said, behold, the people is one and they have all one language and this they begin began to do and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. I decree and declare that you will discipline yourself over the next few months to write your vision to get the downloads through revelation from God and as you write it you write it with the conviction that there is nothing in this world that can prevent you from fulfilling your vision. There is no one in this world that can prevent you from fulfilling your vision external circumstances cannot prevent you from realizing your vision only you and you alone have the power to stop you the devils cannot do it the deacons cannot do it your demon possessed supervisor cannot do it your enemies cannot do it nothing in this world is going to stop you from fulfilling your vision and realizing your dreams amen When you take the time to document your vision, when you take the time to write your vision, you set yourself up. You set yourself up to say no to the wrong things and the wrong people so that you can say yes to the right things and the right people. You set yourself up to execute activities according to the right time and season. And this is important because as you write your vision, your vision dictates to strategies. Strategies dictates to timetables. Timetables dictates to goals. Goals dictates to your activities and every activity is reshaped shaping and remolding your destiny. In other words, where you end up starts with how you see your life unfolding. You know, writing your vision and when you take the time to write your vision, you are setting yourself up. You are setting yourself up to manage your activities according to time frames. You are setting yourself up not only to command your morning, but to command your day, to command your week, to command your month, to command your year. You are setting yourself up to get rid of time wasters and time wasting activities. When you are able to write your vision, you're able to monitor your success and your progress. Writing your vision, take the time to document it. The second thing that God said was after he said write, he said write the vision, not a vision. It's the vision. It means that God has a vision for you that he's going to use your eyes and show you the plans that he has for your your life you don't want a duplication of someone's someone else's vision that vision belongs to them you don't want to live as a poor 
copy of someone else and a quotation mark of someone else's vision. You want your vision. One of the things that God said, I'm going to download that vision into your spirit. If you would turn with me to Job 33 verse 15 to 18. God gives you a vision because he wants to reveal certain things to you. The Bible said in a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falleth upon man and slumberings upon the bed, then he openeth the ears of man and sealeth their instruction that he may withdraw man from his purpose and high pride from man. He keepeth back his soul from the pit and his life from perishing by the sword. In other words, when you write the vision, God gives you the ability to make correct decisions based on all of the options that are available to you. You don't have to do an eeny, meeny, miny, mo. What you can do is I'll take that one. Why? Because that's in alignment with my vision, what God planned for my life. God is a God of revelation. If you would turn with me to Deuteronomy 29 and 29, God has some things that he wants to reveal to you. He has some things that he wants to speak to you. He said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. As high as the heavens are, so are my thoughts, so are my ways. In other words, many of the things that we would do it's already too small many of us need to elevate our thinking we need to expect more we need to raise the bar on our expectations and raise the bar on our performance good enough is not good enough you want to go to the next level you want excellence in your life you want your performance to be the best in the world and God wants to reveal the strategies and the plan for you to accomplish some great things to perform some great great things. In other words, the plans that you have are already too small. God wants to reveal the great things that he has in store for you to accomplish. He said in Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and unto our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. And I love it because God doesn't only want to reveal his plan by a vision by way of a vision for your life. He wants to give you plans for your children's lives as well. And this is what happened to Jacob. God gave him plans and gave him an insight and gave him a vision for his 12 sons. And your children don't have to struggle like you, especially if you discipline yourself and you say, God, what did you have in mind for my son, for my daughter? Those of you that already have grandchildren and those of you that children have already grown and you wish you knew that you have grandchildren now and you can begin to prevail in prayer and ask God to download a vision that he has for your grandchildren's life. Now God is a God of revelation. He wants to give you insight. He'll give you insight not only into your life, into your children's life, but he'll give you insight into uh, the destiny of your of a community, the destiny of a company, the destiny of even a country and a nation. Look at Daniel chapter 2 verse 20 to 23 and verse 28. This is Daniel because the God had given Nebuchadnezzar a dream, but he was not able to articulate that dream. And so he needed articulation of the dream and God used Daniel. Daniel did not have the dream, but God revealed the plans that he had placed in the heart of Nebuchadnezzar. 
Nebuchadnezzar and he revealed it to Daniel. Now remember Daniel was operating at that particular time in the office of a president. He was he was an uh, official uh, and he worked in government and it's interesting because he was not only the smartest and the most influential political mind in Babylon but he was also recognized for his wisdom and he had a reputation of spiritual insight. So when all of his other contemporaries couldn't interpret a dream that God had given Nebuchadnezzar, the reason why they couldn't interpret it, the reason why they didn't, wasn't able to tap into the realm of the spirit to discover what God had downloaded into his spirit is because they were not in touch with God himself. And so God is a, a revealer of those things that he places in people's hearts. And there are sometimes people cannot articulate everything that God has placed in their heart to do. And he will raise up men and women of God that will be able to articulate what he wants you to focus on in your life, to perform, to accomplish, to do, to build, to, to draw, to dance, those things. He will place it in your heart. And then if you're struggling, oftentimes God will raise up individuals with prophetic giftings to speak a specific word so that you could put the pieces of the puzzle of your life together and write it down as a vision. And so Daniel said in Daniel chapter two, he said, bless be the name of God forever and ever for wisdom and might are his. He changes the time times and seasons. He removeth kings and he setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. Watch this. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in darkness and the light dwelleth with him. I thank thee and I praise thee O thy God of my fathers who has given me wisdom and might and has made me to know made, made known unto me what we desire of thee for thou has now made known unto us the king's matter. So he was not uh, there when God had downloaded by way of a vision what God was going to uh, show um uh, the king, King uh, Nebuchadnezzar concerning the unfolding of history. And so he tapped into the prophetic. He asked God, God show me what you revealed to this man of God so that we can push humanity forward. And a lot of people when it comes to uh, spiritual things, especially prophets, prophets want to peer into people's personal lives to see what people are doing. But I'm not interested in what you are doing. I'm interested in what God is going to do through you and in you and with you. And if I'm pressing into God, I just want God to reveal to me his will for your life. All of the other stuff is not important to me. What you did, what you didn't do, what car you're driving and what your license plate is and what your name is. You already know those things. I want God to download to you the amazing things he has planned for your life so that you can structure your life and make decisions accordingly. Verse number 28 said, but there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. In other words, God gave an ungodly man a vision for the unfortunate 
unfolding of humanity and all the superpowers that will be there. And if God can do this for an ungodly man, can you imagine what he would do for us the moment we are able to grab a hold of the prophetic unction that is made available to the church and is made available to you on demand. The Bible said, thy dreams and thy visions, plural, of, of thy head upon the bed are these. As for thee, O king, thy thought came into the mind un, uh, 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 upon thy bed, what should come to pass hereafter, and he that revealeth secret maketh known to thee what shall come to pass. So we know a vision has to do with the things that are about to come to pass within your life, but not only what things that are coming to pass within your life, but also God could give you a vision of the things that will come to pass in your industry, in your community, in your government, in your profession, in your business, if we just had the di have the discipline to press into God. So as you are documenting and writing your vision, make sure that you are establishing an atmosphere of worship for God to come down. Why? Because when you worship, it, 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 it actually activates the spirit of prophecy and prophecy is always attached to your future. And the moment God gives you a revelation of the things that he had in store for you before the foundation of the world, you can say goodbye yesterday and hello tomorrow. One of the things Daniel said in verse number three, he said, but as for me, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I, I have more than any living, but for their sake that shall make known the interpretation to the king and that thou mayest know that the thoughts know the thoughts of, of, of thy heart. In other words, God has anointed me, but this is not me. This is the wisdom of God. It's not coming because of my position. It's not coming because of a title. It's not coming because of an experience. It's not coming because of a position. It's not coming because of an education. It's coming because of the anointing. And I'm anointed to interpret where the world is going to be unfolding in the days to come and interpret the dream that God has given and the vision that God had given Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. So when it comes to vision, your vision is uniquely yours. Do not duplicate someone else's vision. You didn't see Daniel receiving the download from God and then claim it as its own. He understood that God has a vision for my life and God also has a vision for Nebuchadnezzar. So each one of us are going to be given a vision and we just have to take the discipline in order to write it. God wants to reveal to you his plans for your life. Let's look at Genesis chapter 15 verses 1 to 5. Genesis chapter 15 verses 1 to 5. The Bible said, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abraham said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me seeing I go childless and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, 
Behold to me, thou hast given me no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now towards heaven, and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto them, So shall thy seed be. So God gave him a vision and showed him generation after generation, hundreds of thousands of, of, of individuals that were becoming from his Lord. And he gave it to him in a symbolic form. He said, look, I want you to look at the stars and I want to see, want you to see the stars as faces. And if you can count those faces, if you can count those stars, then you'll be able to see what I'm about to do for you in your future. Amen. So let's go to uh, principle number three. God said, write the vision. And then he said, write the vision, not just a vision, the vision, the one that belongs to you. And it's specific to you, write the vision. And he said, make it plain. So this is going to take you in chapter eight of Hello Tomorrow, chapter eight of Hello Tomorrow. And it talks about how to write your vision and the 12 areas that you write your vision in. I want to give you a few of those areas and the rest of them. You can find it in chapter eight, uh, the 12 areas to write your vision in. Number one, um, we talk about uh, the vision is not just one sweeping document. That document is broken down in 12 different categories, 12 different categories. And what you have to do, you have to sit with the Holy Spirit long enough to begin to document what God is saying. Now, we have a woman's a woman's mentorship program, different from our coaching program. And these are for pro professional women where we take you aside, we mentor you for three straight months. You have your workbooks. We... And get you going. We put you on a jumpstart, um, nutrition and exercise program with your personal trainer and group exercise. And we, we, we work with you. Those of you that are business owners, we work with you in establishing your business. And it, it's, it's a fantastic mentorship program. And I've discovered that there are so many gifted women in leadership, but we don't have enough mentorship. And I, and you know, stepped out as God began to, uh, push me into that arena and he said to me, you know, so many people ask me, would you mentor me? Would you mentor me? Would you mentor me? And I kept saying to the Lord, look, I don't have time for people to play games. I really don't. And I only want people that are serious about their lives. And then God gave me the green light. So we developed a mentorship program. It is the best mentorship program in the world. It's called Women Who Shape Our World. And this is the most apropos time for us to see women being raised up in leadership and, and we want you to make inquiries about it. Um, we uh, are, are taking 100 women at a time. You actually have to apply and then you actually have to be approved. And then those that are willing to expand the energy and the resource, we could take you from point A to point B. I've been there. I've had uh, three very, very successful careers before I went into full-time ministry. 
And I've discovered there are so many uh, women that are sitting in churches, they're professional women, they're women, they're doctors, they're lawyers, they're architects, and there seems to be a glass ceiling. We're going to show you how to use your high heels, not just to look good, but to turn them upside down and break glass ceilings. Amen. And so we're going we're to take you for, for three months. We have a live event that's coming up. And those of you that want to be mentored, you could call our office. You can find out anything you want about the mentorship program. I just wanted to say that because one of the areas that we're really going to be focusing on with you is what is your personal brand. Now, we know that you can brand companies and you can brand products and you can brand services, but very few of us know that you can brand yourself. And Jesus, Jesus is the quintessential brand specialist. Let's look at this in the book of Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 to 17. Matthew 16, verse 13 to 17. Write the vision Make it plain, right? The vision, make it plain. So we are talking about how to make your vision plain, how to make it actionable. Because if it's not written in detail, you cannot action it. So again, as you are looking for that particular scripture, your vision is going to dictate to your strategies, how you live life. Everything rises and falls on a strategy. Your strategy will dictate Times, time frames. The time frames will dictate your goals. What goals are you going to accomplish in specific time frames? I have a time frame for everything that I do, every single thing that I do. The Bible says something that is very interesting. To everything, there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. And then it goes on. The first thing it says, a time to be born and a time to die. What does that mean? There's a time for something to exist in time. And then there's an expiration date for it. That means that once the expiration date comes, it is too late for you to do something. So your vision is going to dictate your strategy, your strategy, your time. It dictates that. And then it not only dictates the time, it also dictates your goals. Your goals are time specific. And your goals dictates your daily activities. Your de daily activities dictates your destiny. So where you end up tomorrow is determined uh, by what you are doing today. And all of that is informed by your vision. If you don't have a vision, you, you're not going to know how to identify opportunities when they come, how to identify resources, how to establish relationships, what relationships you need in specific seasons. I'm in a different kind of season, so that means my relationships are going to be different. You know, uh, what I do, how I do it, when I do it, who I do it with, where I go, and I don't let anything or anybody stop me. And a lot of people don't understand that because when other, when, you know, even, even with my family, my family are very supportive of me, but when they're on holiday at my house, just because they're on holiday, it doesn't mean that I'm on holiday with them. I have to look at my vision and my vision is able to dictate what I'm going to do. So when they call and they say, I want to come to your house, I want to come for a month. I said, you can come for a month. You could come for two months, three months, four months. What do you need? I feel the 
house up with food. I say to my driver, listen, you know, Frida's going to call. And when she calls, take her wherever she wants to go. So if she wants to go shopping, my, my driver will just pick her up and drive her there. Why? Because my timetable, my vision is dictating to my activities. And so when they want to go shopping, I got to check my calendar. And if my calendar says, this is where I have to be. I said, look, I'd love to go shopping with you. I can't go shopping with you. I'm not going to be able to go shopping with you at all this, this, this summer. Why? Because my vision is dictating to timetables, my timetable, my calendar, and that my vision is dictating. You have to do this this month. You must do that this month. You must do this this month. It's interesting, you know, because at the recording of this particular um, uh, uh, this particular series and this, this particular uh, uh, book club at the recording, at, as I'm recording this with my uh, life group and with my book club group, as I'm recording this, I am just a couple of weeks away from being married. So by the time, you know, <laughs> I'm excited too. And, and, and so uh, and, and so because uh, I have a number of things that I have to do in October, I'm going to be on my, in my, on my honeymoon. Are you with me? So for October on my calendar, it says honeymoon. So that means that if I have to do anything by way of recording, guess when I have to do it? Before the honeymoon. Why? Because I want the honey in the moon and I don't want anybody. <laughs> I don't want my staff calling me and say, you got a book deadline. You got a recording deadline. The vision is going to dictate to activities. And therefore, the activities that I would normally do in October, I have to figure out how to get it done either in July or August or September in order for me to have my honeymoon in October. Your vision is going to begin to dictate to your activities and so many people live based on what is happening and they are proactive they are not or they're they're reactive and they are not proactive do you not understand that God knows what is going to happen next month next year in the next 10 years in the next 20 years I am decreeing and declaring you will never miss another opportunity for as long as you are alive you are going to prepare for for it. So what I did last year and the year before, what I'm doing this year has a lot to do with what's going to go on in my life 10 years from now. You see, the average, look, the top one percenters are preparing for the next 50 years and the church can't even prepare for the next five days. I was just in London. I was in London and I was shopping. And as I was shopping, I was looking at some beautiful things and I love the shoes. And one of my, one of my favorite European designers, uh, one of my favorite European designers, one of them, I have a lot of them, right? But one of my favorite uh, designers is, 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 um, by the name of Dryas. So his, his name Dryas Van Potten. And he, 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 
drives Von Putten. And he designs these amazing shoes. The shoes are just fabulous. And so I love his designs. So I went in to, to look at uh, the new designs for his shoes, and they were absolutely fabulous. And I was talking to, to the guy. And so as we were talking, you know, he said to me, do you realize that you are buying shoes five years old? I said, what do you mean five years old? These shoes just came out. I know everything that Dries Von Potten puts out, and they're only coming out this season. He said, you know, Dr. Trim, we, we don't buy shoes the season before. These, this fashion is determined five years prior to it being public. So they said, we are now buying our, our shoes and our clothing for this particular, uh, for this particular store. We are buying our, our inventory for, for five years from now. So they're buying, they know what fashion is going to look like five years from now. They know what you're going to be wearing five years from now. And so the least you can do as a believer is to get a five-year plan. You can't let the world outperform you. If you, if, if you can't get the whole 20 years, at least get the next five years. I know what I'm going to be doing next August. In fact, I've already signed up. I've already uh, made plans. I've already made travel plans for next October. I mean, next August. One year from now, I already know where I'm going to be. I know who's going to be there. I know what part of the world I'm going to be in. Why? Because my vision dictates I'm going to be in Spain. And I'm going to be studying Spanish. I already know. Why? Because it's a part of the vision that I wrote. Not last year. Not the year before. I wrote it three years ago. 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022. I know where I'm going to be. Do you know where I'm going to be in 2022? Do you know when it, you want to know where I want to, where I'm going to be in 2020? In 2020, I'm going to be at the Olympics. I already know the plans. And God willing, the creek don't rise, the fat lady don't sing, and the rapture don't come. And we're going to show you how to structure your vision. I knew this year I had to study at, 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 at Harvard University. And I knew what I was called to study. So this is not me just shooting from my hip saying I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. This is a part of the vision for, for my life. So it's not just about what I'm doing ministerially. There were 12 areas that you've got to write a vision in. The first one is your personal brand. Who are you? And do people get you? Uh, when, when we talk about a brand, a brand is the image that is emitted in a person's mind or the image that a person has and the emotions that are attached to that image when someone calls your name or when they meet you. When your name is called, what do people think about you? And you are going to learn how to write your personal brand. Look at Matthew 16, 13 to 17. It, this is all biblical. Branding didn't just come out in the last century. 
When Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, some say thou art John the Baptist. Some say Elias and others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said, they got me all wrong. That is not my brand. You see, this is the image that came to their mind. They said when they think of Jesus, the image of Elijah shows up. The image of John the Baptist shows up. The image of, of Jeremiah. And Jesus said, oh, you got me wrong. He said unto them, but whom do you say that I am? And Simon Peter got the revelation. He said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus said, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. It was revealed to you but by my father, which is in heaven. I am decreeing and declaring. People are going to have the true, real revelation of who you are. And they're not going to misname you. You're not going to be under a misnomer. You're not going to be misnamed under uh, uh, ever again. People are not going to have the wrong image of you. Do you not know that he began to brand himself? He said, listen, when you think of me, I want you to think of a door. When you think of me, I want you to think of a shepherd. When you think of me, I want you to think of water. When you think of me, I want you to think of a past. I am the way. I am the truth. I I am the light. I am what? The good shepherd. I am the door. And so what he did, he spent the rest of his life uh, uh, making sure that his brand was correct in the marketplace. Society craves larger than life figures, people who stand out and people who stand above the general mediocrity, people that defy odds, people that accomplish great things within their lifetime. And in so doing, they create equity in their name. And God wants you to have equity in your name so that you could sweat the equity. How, what does that mean? It means with your name, doors are open. You see, let me tell you something. <laughs> People are now going to want to do photo ops with you to put on their Facebook rather than you clamoring to do photo ops with others. Are, are you getting this? People are going to want to do business with you. People are going to want to know you. And this is what this particular discipline is going to do. The first area you're going to write your vision in is in your brand. So how do you start? Let me just give you a few ways and then you can get the rest out of the book. You got to get the book and this whole branding piece. I mean, if, if you don't get anything else, if, if you don't, you know, and I'm thinking about the whole thing when it comes to mentorship, all of us need to be branded and we all need help. You know, and once you have a brand, your reputation will fall into place your, your, your character, your nature, your dress code, how you dress, how you speak, your hair, everything about you is going to be on brand. It's going to be on brand. So there are some people that wear track pants and sneakers and messy hair and they don't care. They don't have to care. But there are others who are influencers in specific arenas that if you wear sneakers and messy hair and track pens, it will ruin your brand. You've got to be on brand. You never see a Venus and Serena in, in a ballroom unless they're taking photo ops. You see them in tennis outfits. That is their brand. 
that has to do with their brand. And so, so it is with you. So when you start your brand, you start outward and then inward, outward, then inward. So I'm going to ask you to name three people who you really admire and why. What, what is it about them that you admire? Because this is going to help you with your brand. You know, who are the people that are, are, are you, that attract you? What industry are they in? What are they doing? How are they dressing? And, and why is this important for you? And if there were three people whose lives have impacted you the most and whose success you could emulate, who would they be? Who would they be? And then we're going to come in now. What are your standout characteristics? List three of your unique qualities that make you you. Unique qualities that make you you. Standout qualities. Is it your voice? Is it your eyes? Is it your hair? What are your standout qualities? Is it your smile? Is it your quietness? What are your standout qualities? I'm going to give you one more. <laughs> what is your value adding proposition? What do you bring to the table that would add value to others? What do you bring? There's a whole list of other questions. There's a lot more questions. You can get a lot of them in Hello Tomorrow. And then I just want you to be able to do the work, the work of branding, do the work of branding. And you've got to start with that. Number two, so you've got the first thing. You're dealing with yourself. Before you write a vision for everything else, you're going to focus on who I am. Not what I do, but who I am. Who am I? Because if you don't know who you are, the world is going to tell you who you are. And they're going to define you. And many times they're, 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 they're going to get you wrong. I've been precocious all my life since I was a little girl. I never once let anybody tell me who I am, who I'm not, what I can, what, what I can do, where I can go. I tell you, you don't get to weigh in on the conversation. You're not God. And if you get me wrong, it is not your fault. It's mine. It means that I have to take the time and the effort to make sure that what I'm putting out there is congruent with who I am and who I want to appear to be in the public. It's all about that image and you have to work on it. Number two, you've got to write a vision for your companionship, for your marriage. You know, who do you want to live with? What type of person do you want to grow old with? What is your love language? I mean, we don't even know our love language. When I first started dating, the first thing that I wanted to know, what is your love language? I don't want to get this wrong. And, 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 and Gary Chapman wrote a book, The Five Love Language. Read it. Figure out what your love language. My love language is simple. I feel love with gifts and acts of kindness. You don't have to tell me you love me. Show me. So you can say you love me, you love me, you love me. But if there's no action, I don't feel loved. I don't even need you to spend a whole lot of time with me. But there are some people that have a love language, which is quality time. People want, 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 also want verbal affirmation. I don't have to have verbal affirmation. I'm my own cheerleader. Girl, you did good. You look good. But there are some people that need to hear it from other folks. Are you with me? 
What is your love language? You cannot have a successful marriage if you have people trying to figure out what makes you happy and what makes you feel love. Speak up. Say it. That's the first thing I did. If you want me to feel love, baby, I need gifts and I need acts of kindness. Help me. Help a sister out. I don't lift bags. I don't do trash. You know, you got to line it up. What do you need? You're an adult. You can say what you need. You could say what you don't like. And if you're in a relationship, your partner shouldn't have to figure out what you want. Open your mouth. This is what I like. If you want to be booed up, stop, start talking. What is your love languages? There are five love languages. Gary Chapman, by the book, The Five Love Languages, is a fantastic book. Fantastic book. Verbal affirmation, acts of kindness, gifts, quality time, and physical touch. Those are the five love languages. I don't need to be touched that much, but you want, I told you. Gifts, acts of kindness. You can touch me if you bring me Gucci. <laughs> touch me all you want. I'm in love. But then there are some people, you can give them gifts, but they still don't. I have a friend that is married to a multi-billionaire, multi-billionaire. They were walking by, they were shop, They were just in Italy on vacation, and they were walking by, and she stopped. She said, that is a pretty necklace. And she kept walking and she got back and and to the hotel, you know, they were taking care of everything, her and her husband and the doorbell rang. It was the, uh, the valet, the concierge with the bag that came up and gave her the bag and she opened the bag and guess what was in that bag? It was a necklace, but it wasn't just the necklace. It was $1.2 million necklace, $1.2 million dollars. I said, what did you do? <laughs> she said, I said, thank you. So I said, where's the necklace? She said, it's in my safety deposit box. I said, girl, bring that necklace out. Get Hire you, security guard. Wear it for breakfast, lunch, dinner. Wear it. That's $1.2 million. $1.2 million necklace does not belong hidden away from the public. She lives in a mansion. She drives cars. You drive up to the house and her husband bought her another car and another car and a car of her dream. Six cars. Six cars. Airplanes. But he's a businessman, always away. And guess what she does? Belly aches, cries. My husband don't like me. My husband's never home. I said, girl, you got to be out of your mind. I want him home. I want him. Girl, let your husband go. He just gave you $1.2 million for me. I would feel love because my love language is what? Gifts and acts of kindness. But her love language is not gifts. It's not acts of kindness. Her love language is what? Quality time. She don't have to have that. She just wants her husband home. So she doesn't feel love. What is your love language? If you want a healthy marriage, figure it out. 
Because usually the person will give you their love language and not yours. So it's easy to figure out what another person's love language is because they'll say, I just want to spend time with you. But didn't I cook dinner? <laughs> no, but I just want to spend time with you. So, you know, what? When, when they're fixing the car, they want you to, you know, sit outside in the car and talk to them. When they're watching TV, they want you beside them. Are you with me? Some of you are married to men like that or women like that. They just want time. You say, baby, I love you. I cook for you. I clean for you. I gave you babies. And I love you. I love you. I love you. And they're like, you don't love me. Baby, I just told you I love you. No, they want you to sit with them through that boring game, through History Channel. The Nazis flying over the... And you're like, (laughs) Animal Channel. We're not watching the bumblebee flying and why the worker bees and you're like I got work to do where 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 why you gotta I got work to do I gotta clean what's 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 your love language you know and what's the love language of because that's what you're going to bring to the table so these are the things that you've got to write down is your relationship a nurturing and loving one or do you want to have a nurturing and loving relationship What is your communication style? What's your communication preference? You know, describe your ideal date night. What's your ideal date night? I travel so much, my ideal date night is going to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Babe, you can watch me while I download dreams and visions. (laughs) I got to be sleeping while I'm dreaming. I'm your dream girl. That means I got to be sleeping. (laughs) What's your ideal Date night. And there was more questions in Hello Tomorrow chapter 8. There were 12 areas. You got to write your vision in. Write the vision. Make it plain. Write the vision. The next part of your vision is personal growth. Or before we get to that, I think I'm in number three. Your family. You got to write a vision for your family. Immediate and extended. So, you know, you have to deal with like traditions. When are you going to get together? So... Thanksgiving time, we're with the Tomlinson side. And Christmas time, we're with the Trim side. It's already established. This is how we're going to spend time with our family. What are your family traditions? My family tradition is very simple. Everybody remembers everybody's birthday. And you better not get it wrong. Birthday gifts are accepted. So no matter how many children and grandchildren are around, I can tell you everybody's birthday. Because it's very important. We celebrate everybody's birthday. Everybody. We call. We get gifts. Christmas time. You, you, you need to just come to my family Christmas time. I mean, the gifts are just all over the living room. Hundreds of gifts. Because everybody better buy everybody a gift. This, this is what keeps our family together. It's beautiful. We bring, I bring friends home and they're like, I've never seen anything like this. But these are, these are family values, family traditions. What's your family values? What are you, what did you not like? What are you going to pass down as traditions to future generation? This is vision. But there are 12 areas you have to write your vision. Again, this is chapter number eight. I only gave you three of them and there are so many more. Write the vision. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 
We have so much more that we're going to share with you. But I think you've had enough for now. Go uh, get your book, read chapter number eight, and it will give you more information about the vision that you are about to write. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you. This is such a fun activity. It's such an amazing activity because we get to tap into your mind. We get to create an atmosphere of worship and create an environment that we can hear from you. And then, Father, give us the discipline to begin to write. It will take us weeks and even months to finish this activity, but let us pour every ounce of our energy and spend the um, time that is necessary for us to really tap into this level of the prophetic and this level of revelation, because if we have a vision, we are guaranteed that we would succeed. God bless each one of you. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a production of the Awakening Podcast Network. Jennifer LeClaire is the founder and owner of APN. Our heart is to inspire people and exalt Jesus with every broadcast. We're grateful for our advertisers and supporters that make these podcasts possible. 